Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today, I'm joined by Sooner Ruthier. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, special shout out to Stephen Douglas, who is the lighting designer and set designer. And I don't know what the technical terms are for it, but we're the killers. And I reached out to Stephen and I was like, I got to find out who does the lighting for Coldplay. I know it's a stretch, but you know, <laughs> my wife, I'm not exactly sure if this was one of the exact tours you worked on, but she went to the MetLife the recent MetLife show yeah. and you worked on that. Oh my God. That's so cool. She's going to love hearing this. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's sooner. I, I'm friends with her and like drop her a line. He said some like cool, you know, British shit like that or Irish <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> She's, uh, and I reached out and I'm so excited to be doing this. So thank you. That's a, oh. a long, long winded way of saying, thank you, Steven. We out here, we're doing it. I met the Coldplay girl among other <laughs> thank things. Thank you, Steven. <laughs> yeah. I love him so much. He's great. And then he sent me your uh, your website. I've been to some of your concerts uh, for the Lumineers, for uh, the Cleopatra World Tour. I was there for that. Oh, cool. Uh, little humble brag here. I just had Jeremiah Freights on, um, on my podcast. I don't know. <laughs> nice. I have no idea how that happened. He's this, the loveliest. Your website is incredible. It's Sooner, S-O-O-N-E-R-R-A-E.com. You have all this amazing work that's out there. And I want to start from the very beginning. I imagine it's like in your parents' basement. You start with a flashlight, something happens. No, not that cool. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, it's all, it all started in high school. I was um, in dance and theater, and I mm. fell in love with lighting the body and lighting music, and I was a band nerd, and, and that's how I fell into it. I just I got like extra credit in dance for joining the tech group. You know, when I was a little, little kid, I was in musical theater and I used to like ride my bike to the high school, which was only about a half a mile from my house. And I would um, help build all the scenic and um, and then I would be in the choir for all the musicals that were happening with this like summer stock theater. And then uh, my love of like dance and singing and playing instruments and everything. You know, I, I was in band in high school. I played clarinet and oboe. You know, I was dancing and I, I loved dance, but I was really, really bad at it. And so my dance teacher just kind of like gently nudged me into the tech crew and she said, you know, you can get <laughs> extra credit if you join the tech crew. And so um, I fell in love with lighting. That was it. Like I I would be like, I'd go on stage and I'd dance in a number and then I'd run back to the lighting booth and I'd run the next the next song on lights and then, you know, go back and like change gels and somebody else would jump onto the board and we were like jumping around. I really wanted to be a lighting designer for concerts because I, I went to see my first concert. It was Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness Tour, the Smashing Pumpkins and <laughs> dating myself. Uh, anyway, I saw that and... Um, I was like, that's what I want to do. And my parents were like, no, you can't do that. I wanted to go to Full Sail University. That's where I wanted to go. But um, they were like, why don't you just like go to this smaller school in Northern Vermont, like get all your required courses done and see what happens. And then if you're still wanting to do this, you can go down to Full Sail. I did that. But lo and behold, like the fall of my freshman year in college, I ended up connecting with some people that own a rental company in um, New Hampshire. And um, I really, really wanted to continue working and like with them and, and ended up like traveling down to do shows with them at different colleges. Basically, like I was a, such a nerd about lighting that I had memorized <laughs> all of my gel color numbers for the parkins. So um, the guy who was like running the board for this one show that I was helping on, you know, labeled his console with like the gel color numbers instead of like red, blue, green, it said like R80 and R27 and yeah. 139. And so when he was like, put up the green invader, I was like, whoop, 139, done. And so uh, cool. and he was like, what? How did you know this? So uh, <laughs> he ended up, they ended up hiring me um, 
And yeah, and I worked for them for God, five, six years and got my first tour from working with them. And what was yeah. the first what was the first tour? Um so my very, very first tour was with the Irish tenors, which was I was a tech. So I would go out and just I was the only lighting tech. It was a pretty rigged rig for like me being the only lighting tech, but um I think back to that now and I'm like, how the hell did I freaking do that? I must not have slept. <laughs> um Anyway, I did that. And then, um, I came home after that tour. I like, obviously like was, this is it. This is what I want to do. And, um, I was running a show locally for, um, well, I was actually like the trust monkey for uh, this local show. It was like a, an off shoot of like Ozfest, right? Okay. So like yeah. Ozfest would go around. And then if, if Ozfest had like a day or two off, like sometimes some of these bands just like break off and go do like a show, someplace not near where the next Ozfest show was. And that was in New Hampshire. And it was like a whole bunch of rock bands. And, and one of them was Chevelle. And oh. um, and so I'm running lights for Chevelle. And like the, before we started the show, the tour manager is also their, their front house engineer. And he was this lovely man named Dave Pinsky. He's the sweetest, love him to pieces. Um, and he was like, hey, the only thing you have to know is they want it completely black between songs. They don't want to see a thing. They want it just black. No blue wash, no like lights up, nothing, no side lights, nothing, no spotlights, nothing, just black. And so I did it like in between every song, boop, grandmaster down, done. <laughs> and, uh, and after that, um, they said, well, we're looking for an LD to come out in the fall time. Are you interested? And, and I had a couple of other friends that were kind of working with other bands that were on that same tour and they really pushed my name out there. One was Sunny Satterfield, the other was Jason DeBoer. They both like really recommended me for these jobs this job and i ended up getting it wow and so uh, yeah it's so my first tour was that fall as as a lighting operator designer I, that was my first tour that's yeah. amazing it's so cool yeah. how did you feel at that time because that's something that that i'm trying to really hone in on because people hear this awesome journey and they, and they go oh well i'm not doing that i haven't done that but the fear is really there that fear fear of like can i make it was you know i mean i were my parents right you know what I mean? I think I just always knew I was going to, I was going to go, I was going to go for it. Like, yeah. And I never really let anything sort of stop me, I guess. I think I was just way too motivated or just dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I, the thing is like, I'm a very social person and I really like to talk and I really like to network. So I think for me, one of the biggest things was that I just, I just knew that as long as I met the right people and as long as I like, was able to keep people like on the line and like talking to them, like networking, just, I, I think that I, I always knew that I would probably be fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, but that's just it. Like I, I never really felt afraid of it mm -hmm. and I, I was just so motivated just to be successful and like have this job that I didn't, I didn't really think past that. Yeah. I don't know. I think there is, there's, there's a lot of truth behind manifesting your, your goals in life. There's a, I think there's a lot of truth behind that. 100%. And, um, and I think I just did that. And in fact, I remember when I was like, I was either a junior or senior in college. I ended up like finishing my degree at Emerson college. Um, because it was like, well, I've gone this far. I'm already working in, the, in you know, the industry as a tech. I might as well just I should get my degree in case I ever want to like go teach or whatever, which I do love teaching. I love Same, teaching, yeah. love Me it. Too. Um, and, um, I think, 
I, my cousin came into town from Denver or whatever. And she and I, we were at the bar, like having a glass of wine. And she said, what do you want to do? Like, what's your goals? And, um, and she had me write them all down Wow. with like, and she was even this, she was like, now tell me how much money you're going to make a year when you do this. <laughs> like she was <laughs> like, and she, she had me write them all down. I think she still has this piece of paper. You got to find it. I, she's got it. She said, she's got it. She's like, yeah, I keep it in my Bible. I'm like, you keep it in your Bible. It's crazy. Um, she keeps, she's just, she's the loveliest human. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah. So, and, and, um, she pulled that out. I think like when I started working with Bon Jovi back in 2010 or whatever, she pulled a piece of paper out and she like sent me a picture of it. And she's like, look, you win, you did it. You know, you mentioned about teaching, about yeah. me about mentoring. Have you ever had somebody who you helped out along the way and now you've kind of seen their growth and maybe at the time they weren't really ready for it and they took what you taught them and applied it and then maybe you saw them on the road or are doing something or? Before, like two years ago, it was always just informal. Like somebody calls me up for a question, I give them advice or give them like, you know, tell them something on the console or whatever to do, whatever it was. It's always, it was always that just informal, like, Hey, I have a question. Do you have time for me? Call them up. We chat for a while. Um, and then it's done. So, um, I don't, and those are conversations that are so casual, right? Like, it's just like, it's casual. Like, it's not like a scheduled thing where I'm like, Hey, like, this is what we're going to do today. I'm your like, mentor learning, now, like, yeah. uh, I'm going to clap. <laughs> this is our classroom. Here we go. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really, I can't really pinpoint like individuals like that. Um, every once in a while, somebody will be like, Hey, uh, way back in 2003, you showed me this thing and I've been doing it ever since. And it's totally helped me out. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like, that's awesome. Fun. And like, I can say the same about a lot of people, right. That a yeah. lot of people that I, I've, I've looked up to, or even just like younger, um, programmers, I learned so much from the younger generation. It's insane. Um, and that's a big one. Like never close your mind, even if you're older and have more experience than somebody like does not mean you can't learn. Um, I learned from even my assistant, Allison every day, like she's like <laughs> such a powerful force. Yeah. Um, so, and she's like 26 years old. Uh, she's that's amazing. To me for saying that. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't really, I can't give you any like one like instance where like that has happened. Um, I did in 2020 start an organization with a bunch of other designers called even, which is, um, we actually just got our nonprofit status at the end of September, which is super exciting. Nice. Um, yeah. Official 501 C three, but, um, and, and through that, like we met, uh, uh, Noel Skaggs from diversify the stage and I did a mentorship program with um, music forward and we have a mentorship program through even you can, that website I can send you. It's, um, the even network. Sorry. It's the, uh, even network, uh, .org. Um, but yeah, through that, like I've definitely done a few mentor mentorships where like, you know, I've been taking a mentee on and, and walked them through some stuff. Um, in particular right now I'm doing one for, um, a, a thing called the conference in Lidditz in December, which is a really cool conference actually that everybody should look at. It's, it's an industry conference. It's up at um, the Lidditz campus. My mentee, Brittany, is uh, the lighting designer for it. So, like, I'm kind of mentoring her through doing a lighting design for this conference. And, um, yeah, so the more formal ones are in progress. And we yes. will see how 
it works. <laughs> we'll, we'll have you back on the show for, for a follow yeah. up on that. That's amazing. Okay. That's, sounds that's good. Cool. Yeah. The conference is really cool. And, and if you guys are looking to get into the industry, like that's a cool spot to go to check awesome. it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going like to go check it out now. Yeah. Lititz is a hub of that stuff. And they're really doing some great, some great stuff. We've got the backstage Academy that there's, they're sort of uh, getting the wheels turning on here in the States. It's been a fixture in the UK for a long time and they've brought it over to the States. So um, yeah, lots going on over there. So take me from the very beginning from like the, the ideation is it like a like a, a sketch on a bar napkin kind of thing? And um, to Coldplay does MetLife Stadium, and everyone has like the wristbands and stuff. Just as an example, yeah. what's that process like, and how does that work logistically? And just walk me through. <laughs> Go long on it if you want to. It's I'm just. Fascinated. Do you have a week? I, I'm ready. Yeah, so, yeah. We're gonna do it in real time. Oh God! Well, obviously every every show is different. Every artist is different. The way I'll say it is this: like every time I think I have a process. It gets flipped on its head at some point during the process. Okay. And that is because you never know that like there's so many different dynamics and so many different things happening that between different personalities or different logistics of, with tour routing or logistics of venue sizes or who do you have on your crew, who is a staple in the crew already and who are you bringing in? Like there's so many different factors that the process always changes, but um. And also it's very, very, very different from when I started touring to now, right? Like I started touring as a tech. So my process as a tech is absolutely 180 degrees different from what I do now. For, so, for, the, layman, for the layman, what exactly does that mean when you say you're a tech? That means so as a tech, you're setting up lights, you're fixing lights, you're loading out lights, you're loading trucks, you're cabling, you're, well, anything, right? If you're doing audio, you're cabling. Like a roadie, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean, know if that's like a derogatory term. I love the term roadie, but Some there are don't. people that don't like it. I mean, because, yeah. and it just becomes, it comes with connotations from the eighties basically. Right. Like, right, right, right. But yeah. honestly, like, I think it's a cool freaking term. Um, but you know, as a tech, you're, you're the person that's setting up, loading in, loading out, setting up, um, making sure the gear works. Okay. I'm um, now. yeah. Um, as an operator, you're the person that is actually controlling everything. So like, for example, on Coldplay, Shaheem Lichmore is the lighting operator. So he is out there doing daily maintenance. Um, he's not the operator, he's the director. Let's just call him a director. It's more than an operator. He doesn't just like punch buttons. He's actually making sure that the cues look right. If there's like new songs that need to be programmed, he has artistic ability to be able to do that without any direction from the team, the creative team. Um, he he can make sure time codes working properly. He makes sure spotlights are are operating. Like he calls spotlights, he runs lights, he does all of it, right? So that's the that's the director side of it. And then as a designer, I am working ahead of the tour. So I work directly with a creative director who's hired by the artist, or I'll work with management, or I'll work directly with the artist, and we create the way the show is going to look. And that could be anywhere from two years before a tour goes out to like a month before the tour goes out, depending on the size and depending on, you know, what the actual event is. And that also like TV shows, like TV appearances, Jimmy Fallon, Today Show, whatever, like that still also needs lead up time, right? So I will take you through the day for me or the process like very briefly for me now as a creative, right? Yes. Okay, so um, essentially I'll usually get a call from a creative director or a management team or a production manager saying that they are looking for a design for their artist who's going on tour soon. Um, and then I 
I chat with them directly first to just get the the logistics down, figure out what they're doing, what with they, the artist or the, the, with the manager, director. production okay. manager, creative director. Cause I like to know, like, I like to know the parameters first. So I like to know how big is it going to be? Like what size venues, how many trucks are you carting around or a trailer behind a bus? What's it going to be? Um, I like to know budget as soon as possible because we're in the music business. <laughs> yeah. <It's>, <laughs> we're <laughs> not in the music fun times. We're in the music business. So I like to know budget. Uh, and sometimes people don't give it to me and it really bums me out. And I like to know like where, where's creative going? Like, is there an album coming out? Is there branding that goes along with that album marketing? What are you doing to further the creative, um, for, for this show? Um, and once I get all those things down, then I request a call directly with the artist or the creative director. Cause sometimes the artist is just like creative director is the only person to deal with, you know? Um, talk with them and I get like the whole aesthetic of what they're going for. Um, is there a story they're trying to push through to their fans? Is there a brand story? Is there how, like, do you want to go theatrical with it? Uh, I try to put a storyline in every one of my shows just because like, I'm a, I'm an old theater nerd. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I usually try to get as much of the creative figured out, you know, I'll, it'll be as like dumb questions. Like I once asked an artist, if he were a crayon, what crayon color would he be? <laughs> like, I love you know, that. Like, this is the thing. Like, you just got to come up with like, who are you speaking to? And like, what are what questions are going to invoke the answers that you need to be able to? That's an amazing prompt, by the way. I'm totally going to use that. This ah, I think it's, it's, it's telling, you know what I mean? Like I could totally see how that can change something. It's, yeah. it's, a, it was a, it was a good one. Um, it definitely threw that artist for a loop and he did not answer it. <laughs> very easily um anyways <laughs> this, chick, this chick is crazy yeah. we're going with somebody but, yeah else. <laughs> we're going somewhere else. um yeah so usually i'll once that once that call initial call is done i um, we start ideating so um first off it's not just me right there's like a village of people that does this stuff this is not this is a collective like you can't it's yeah, it's a it's an army of people that do a lot of this stuff because it takes an army to get these proposals together. So um, we, you know, start ref getting mood references together. Um, we're, we put together hand sketches. I have done sketches on a napkin before. Um, like it's all I always try to have a little tiny notepad with me whenever I'm like going out to eat or at a bar or whatever. Um, but yeah, we'll do like hand sketches or I'll just jump into Vectorworks and I'll just instantly start drawing in 3D. Um, and then I can take that image out and I'll stick it on my iPad. And I use a, an app called Procreate to like sketch on top of things. Um, also use an app called GoodNotes where I can actually, you know, notate things and like send it off to a drafts team. So like once all the 3D or once all the ideas start coming together, um, I've got a team of drafters that I work with and they put it all into 3d and they draft it up and we, we kind of work together in that model and we produce wireframes, we produce clay models and we produce pho photorealistic renders. So we have all three of those things because not every artist can visualize a production the same way. It's so cool. Anyway. So yeah, I get all those renders together and we put them in a big old proposal and then we present to the artist. And then artist gives back feedback. We change things, adjust it, do what we need to do, get spit out into technical plots, which the way we operate, everything is already basically done in a technical plot format. So um, it's very easy for, um, for us to spit those plots out. 
Um, and then from there, it goes out to vendors for bidding. Um, and that's, I mean, that's really the production manager is the one that really takes lead on all that stuff. And yeah, so once the vendor gets accepted and they're building and all that stuff, so that all happens at the vendor warehouse, gets trucked to wherever the rehearsal venue is or the first venue of the tour. Um, and we load it in and uh, set it up. And the very first day of our rehearsals is always like just going through the lighting console and the video the video console, just making sure like all the presets are working, like videos mapped properly, um, focuses are done, colors all match, like really getting into the nitty gritty of making sure all those presets are like perfect. And then we just start going song by song. And we make sure that every song looks the way we want it to look before we try to show it to the artist. Um, Is there like we, a stand-in? Could I be like, <laughs> could I be like the guy who like pretends to be Brendan Flowers and is just mean, up there like, and just standing on speakers, just pointing at nobody like an empty. That's <laughs> we my, definitely, my dream we job. We use stand-ins all the time. Like we do use stand-ins. How do I get that was, job? That sounds amazing. That was always a tech on the tour, right? <laughs> um, we've also just used cardboard cutouts. You okay. know, they buy like, Right. Size cardboard. I think the last show we did, we had like the Simpsons on stage. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And that's like your focus dummy. You just stick it there and then, you know, you can focus your lights on it without somebody having to stand there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, um, once all those presets are done and we go song by song, then we present to the artist. And you usually try to like set your production schedule up ahead of time so that when you, everybody knows the goals of like what day things are going to happen so that everybody's reached their goals so that when the artist does come in and they're watching, it's like, you want that very first impression just be like, Oh my God, right. what is this? Right. But the big thing is like making sure that, um, you know, there's, it's not like they're like, you know, like, Oh yeah, well during this moment, there's going to be like lasers here. And then the pyro is going to go because more, more than likely that music is being pumped through the PA really loud. And right. like, you can't just sit there and like scream at the person next to you. Going, <laughs> Here it comes. Just pretend they're there. No, that doesn't work. You right, have to yeah. have it ready. So yeah. Um, so we always try to set up the schedule ahead of time, make sure everybody's like reaching their deadlines before that day. And then we do rehearsals with artists on stage. Um, and then usually if you're like on an arena tour or even on theater, whatever theater tours, but you um, usually you have to set up time to make sure the opener has time on the console and on the stage to set up their stuff to make sure they're ready. So they'll get like, you, I mean, I don't know, a certain amount of hours or like a full day, whatever it is. Um, and then show day happens for me. I it's show day is really easy for, for me. Like it's, it's just about really sitting back and enjoying the fact that we've just made this happen. So um, I mean, for me, for show day, I usually come in pretty late for first show day because there's no need for me to be there right that that that's usually right. when the opening act is on stage getting their stuff together i don't want to interfere with that ever because they need their time too and um yeah doors happen get myself a drink <laughs> wine whatever get yourself and, a 35 dollar yeah. beer from uh <laughs> yeah sit out front um with next to the operator and take notes and hopefully there's not a lot of notes and then you know, say goodbye to everybody and see you when the show comes to Nashville. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that. yeah. Um, that's usually how that works for me. All right. So I have a whole bunch of nerdy questions that when I first met Stephen Douglas, I was nervous to 
to ask him because I, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't think that we were going to continue to be friends for, for years after, but mm. I'm very happy and, and grateful that he's one of my, my close internet buddies. Nice. Um, that's the way I would describe it. He's a good dude. He's very a good, good internet buddy. He's a good yes. buddy, period. End of story. He's cool. Exactly. One day we're going to be mm -hmm. real life friends. Um, <laughs> but you guys are always touring internationally and all that stuff. So, okay. So I'm going to ask the silly questions I didn't get a yeah. chance to, and maybe you can fill it in here. No, nope, okay. no problem. I know like things are programmed, right? And there's like, yep. I, I know it as a DJ, it's like there's like DMX controllers and there's like programming and there's like different lights and little light show things, but it's on a much larger scale. But what happens when somebody kind of goes off script and maybe, and I, I know I'm messing up the technical terms here, but maybe this is more of a question for like an operator sort of thing. I don't really <laughs> know, but you know, like how I know, are you play? is it playing to like a, like a click? How does the lighting guy know when the when when to move it? Are you just waiting, sort of like for them to get to a certain point, and then you just hit a button, and then it's like higher and higher. You know, like the <laughs> lights come on. You know? <laughs> this is why you could never ever just be like a robotic. Like this is why when when management comes to me and they're like, we just we don't want to hire a lighting operator. All we want to do is the lights just follow time code, and they just go for it. All this is exactly why you can't do that. Because inevitably, something will go wrong with time code during a show, and you can't get back on the rails unless you have a human person fixing that part. So um, let me sit on down. Let me tell you a story. I'm ready. I'm here. <laughs> um, so I, I, can feel, I, I feel a best up I clip mean... <laughs> coming right now. Here we go. In three, two, I... best up clip. <laughs> uh, time wasn't really a thing. You know, I don't even know when it started really becoming a, a big deal. I guess it would have been probably in the, I don't know, 2010, 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, I think because, you know, you're always operating lights just by hitting buttons to the music. This is why, like, when you're an operator, you're supposed to have really good timing so that, like, you can hit it, a snare hit on beat just by hitting the button. And you have to anticipate it because the time of the lighting of you seeing the light versus how long it like you hit the button there's a certain reaction time even if it's like milliseconds it's still there and so you have to hit the button in time with the music and that ha that was years and years and years and years and years and years and years of lighting right like years of lighting is how we functioned just doing that so when i operated bon jovi in 2010 through 2015 there's no time code in a bon jovi show none at least there wasn't then i don't know if there is now um, and you know, you have to know 85 songs by the first measure because, you know, there's always a set list and he's, he almost always does the set list and you don't have to worry about it. But if there's a chance where he's like, you know what, I'm going to throw in a new, a different song that I haven't played in a while. And he's going to turn around and tell the band guys, but you can't hear what's going on on stage. Cause he's just like mouthing words to the band guys. You can't hear that in your in-ears or like through the PA. So right. you have no idea what song's about to come up unless you're lucky enough for somebody on stage. You'd be like, tell everybody for now that they're going to play blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's why they talk. Right. By the way, huge John Mayer fan. John Mayer, I always see him talking into the mic, but I'm like, he's standing right um, in front of that person. Is that why he's yeah. talking to a mic? Because he's talking to like making sure that everyone's yeah. the same? Okay, he's yeah. probably telling, he's probably giving notes to like his monitor engineer to like turn something up or turn something down. Oh, that's like, so cool. Say anything like, I don't know, these artists, every artist is different. So they yeah, say yeah. anything, right? right. You're talking to anybody. It's yeah. like, I've had artists have vocal coaches under the stage and that vocal coach is like, you're doing great. This is what you try this, blah, blah, blah. Like, really? um, yeah, for sure. Sorry. I, I, I mean, if you think about <laughs> it, this vocal, this 
a vocal is a, it's a muscle and it needs to be worked out properly. Right. And so some this, I mean, a lot of, not a lot, but there are some artists that have vocal coaches on the road with them. And it's actually really smart because it's like a personal trainer for your vocals. So why would yeah. you not take care of the one muscle that is keeping you employed? Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, you know, not every show is time coded. So you have to know how to know music terms, right? Like what's a verse, what's a chorus, what's a bridge. What's that? Is that a snare roll? Is that a drum roll? Is that a fill? Like, what's the the end of a song some people call them buttons some people call them caps you know like when they're like rolling out and then all of a sudden they hit boom and then everything blacks out there's just different terms so you have to know that um so i guess what i'm saying is to be a really good operator you still have to have those skill sets even though the majority a lot of shows are run by time code lumineers isn't time coded lumineers is is a modern show that is very much not time coded. So Ian Haslauer, the lighting design, I, he's the lighting designer on that show, um, is operating the whole show, right? So he has to have good timing. He has to have anticipation. He has to be able to do it all without having everything just run automatically on the console. Um, and honestly, like I, I think I try to have operators that can do both, that can sit there and watch time code run, but can also understand music terminology and if they don't understand music terminology and timing like you try to teach it right to get them to that point because if the time code goes out you know you're going to hit like there's you must always have like a fail safe well we build in a, a fail safe on the console it's like play time code stop time code whatever you can hit stop time code in case it comes up in a weird time and your lights go crazy to get back to where they're supposed to be stop time code and then we always have a set of buttons called punting buttons and it's basically like the lights, you know, maybe they move to a different position in four seconds and then there's a whole bunch of colors and there's a whole bunch of strobes and pops and stuff like that. And you just run lights just like you're doing at school, a show that's off time code until you get those little green numbers back on your console when you can hit play at a good time. So, so cool. But yeah, but it takes. And like, also nerve wracking and like sounds. Like it scary. is. And it's like it's it is it is, you know, but that's the thing is like it's, you know, football player dropping the ball, fun, fumbling the ball, like right. whatever, like it happens. <laughs> like, how do you react in the moment? Like if you have to be able to have, you have to be able to re react properly, right. Yeah. In a calm manner, because if you're like freaking out, stressing out, throwing stuff because your console isn't, your time code is gone because something happened on stage or because somebody stepped on a cable or maybe, maybe even somebody at front of house accidentally unplugged your line or something, right? Like if you get angry and frustrated and throw something, you're probably not going to be thinking properly about what you need to do to fix it. So that's why like you got to have the right reaction skills and you should probably know music terminology. You need to know your music for one thing, like this is a big one. Like you got to know the music that you're, even if it's a time coded show, you should still know that music yeah. like backwards and forwards, you yeah. know, so you know where you're supposed to be and what's yeah. That sounds so fun. Yeah. I think I could definitely, <laughs> I, I could definitely do that for like John Mayer. And, and then other than that, I probably would be messing up things, but I would be like bar yeah. for bar, like snare for mm -hmm. snare. I'd be there and ready. Um, yeah. Do you think, by the way, I, I feel like somebody at home is like making a drinking game for every time that I do certain things. It's like Rob brings up, <laughs> Rob brings up John Mayer, take a shot. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, I do love John Mayer. <clears throat> yeah, the man, I love him. Um, mm -hmm. 
if you if you work with him, no, I, 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 know. I gotta do my Photoshop rendering thing. That, yeah. that I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll send <laughs> you do very organized PSD. the render package. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Layers, I'll label, yeah. you have to label yeah, all your exactly. layers. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, John Mayer's that. Halo, layer number seven. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> John Mayer, the second coming of Christ. No, gonna, yeah. Uh, um, sorry. Okay, so uh, another, I'm trying to think of all the dumb questions that I have. Oh, okay, so let's say, so I'm somebody who works in a lighting space on a very small scale with, with DJing and, you know, we work with like DMX controllers and up lighting and color watches and stuff like that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, when we play like It's Raining Men, there's sort of this like thunderstorm thing that happens and it's sort <laughs> of, of that's like, that's the nice. extent, the, hacky, the hacky stuff that, that white people just absolutely love. <laughs> love <laughs> Sorry. It's uh, fine. <laughs> but, oh, um, you know, let's say like you're in that space, right? Like you're somebody who, you know, you love just setting up like rack mounts and just like wiring things and just climbing yeah. and, and do, you know, when all the trussing and then putting the trussing and the lighting and then mm -hmm. and building and building and building. And then you look at someone like yourself and you think, or, you know, that, that level of, of show. How would you go about getting like getting your foot in the door in in the big leagues of lighting, so to speak, and going from somebody who mm -hmm. knows a thing or two and can be a value on set, but doesn't yet have that experience? How would you? Um, I mean, the the biggest thing is understanding what track do you want to be doing. Like, where do you want to be? I mean, if we're talking specifically lighting. Like, are you more of a hands-on person and you want to be a tech, or are you more of are you like a more computer nerdy person and you want to be a programmer, which mm -hmm. also requires a huge level of creativity as a programmer, you need to be very creative as well. Or do you want to be the designer who is, you know, dictating the way all the creative is going to look. So there's like, there's many different pathways, right? Right. And um, if you're looking to become, and honestly, like I would say the best thing to do is to still learn how to be a tech, even if you want to be a designer or an operator, because in the end, like, there are the tools of your trade. Like an architect should still know what a hammer does. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, otherwise really people important. are, are going to, they're not going to like, not maybe yeah. not respect you, but they're, they, yeah, you got to pay your dues, so to speak, so to speak. Yeah. A little bit. And I also just think it's just nice to know, like, you don't have to know the any like if I change the servo motor on this moving <laughs> light at this point in time, like it's not whatever, like you, you don't, I don't know if you necessarily need to know that if you're a designer, but I do think it's really, really important to know at least the basics of like, this is the cable path and how signal flow works so that when you're setting up your plots, you know, they ask you to number your fixtures to it makes sense to everybody so that it's quickly, you know, you can execute it quickly, like all those things. Um, so I started out on, on the vendor level, which I 100% recommend to everybody um, to like go into a lighting, a rental house and start by pushing boxes and um testing lights and cabling lights and learning how to read plots and um yeah i would say that's like the first step um and there's lighting vendors across the globe um yeah. there's really massive ones that do huge global scale touring and then there's local ones that do they operate in like you know a two-hour radius of their well four-hour radius of like their location is that all like you like union? Is that how that works? Like when what, there are, there are you can be. You hear a, a lot about unions. I feel like that's yeah. Like hear I mean, about. you don't. I in our industry, you don't have to be a union. I mean, I love our union hand, like stagehands. I love our union designers. I 
I, that was not the path for me. That's not the path I took. I didn't do that. Um, right. I can't speak to it because that, that was not my path, but, yeah. um, it, you know, not, not every, I mean, I don't even know if vendors operate on a union level. I don't believe they do. They might, there might be some that do, but honestly, like, I don't think you have to be, have a union card to be at a event. No, I know you don't have to be, you do yeah, not have to I always kind of had that card. assumption. It's, it's like, yeah. I would go to like Dave Matthews or something like that. And I'd see all these guys like wearing all this black and stuff like that. I'd be like, I bet yeah. you they're like electricians from some sort but of- But there's different roles. It's probably some sort of like wall that I can't get through. No. I, you just assume like, you know, it's so, a tight knit group and like they all know each other and it's like, it's tough to get into. Those are just I my mean, it is, assumptions, but yeah. It, it can be, but there's honestly like, our industry is starving for individuals who want to be in it and who want to work and who want to grow. Yeah. It's, this is not, it, it's not a job, right? It, it is, it's a career. This is right. like, it's a lifestyle and a career. Like you enter into our industry. You're not, it's not like you're going to Starbucks to make coffees for people and you can just call in sick because you have a tummy ache from drinking too much the night before. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, it's a career path. Like you show up to work, you work your ass off, you climb a ladder. Yeah. This is a career. It, it's, it's a, it's a vocation, right? It's a vocation more than anything. Like it's not, you don't have to go to a four year school. You can, but you don't have to. Um, so I guess I would liken it more to a vocation. So, yeah. um, and in fact, like if you look at the even network <laughs> <laughs> website, uh, for sure, plug, plug you the learn URL, more. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, it's, well, these are the things that like my, my, um, partners and I in that, in even are like on soapboxes constantly about how, like, you don't need to go to university, go to your vendors. Like, we're just like very much all about it because the thing is like, nobody knows that these jobs exist because we are behind the scenes. So by design, nobody knows that these, these careers and these jobs exist. So, yes. um, how do we explain to people that yes, you can do it. And yes, once you're in, you are in and you travel the world and you make good money and your brain expands because you're seeing different cultures. So I'm trying to do um, that, son. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm abandoning the it. show. This so is the last fun. episode. I'm hanging it up today <laughs> on tour. Go work. <laughs> We're here in New York. Go work yeah. for like four wall or PRG or Christie <laughs> in Jersey. It'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to write those down. That's okay. So cool. There you go. I'll send them to you. Um, yes, anyway, so do. I Seriously. think when you're talking about the people, when you go to a show and you see everybody wearing black on stage, like, that could be a mixture of people like your uniform is usually all black on stage. That's that's so that when you're hiding behind black curtains, you're blending into the background. So you're not seen because you're not supposed to be seen. The artist is supposed to be seen. Right. Um, so but there are you can the stagehand unions is I think what you're talking about. You can go and be a stagehand um, locally, like where you live easily. Right. Like and the that's PNC really Bank good, Art Center or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. A really good introduction into the industry as well is like even clubs, you know, music clubs. Like, um, oh my God, what was the one the Starlin Ballroom used to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You know, you can go be a stagehand at those places. Right. Um, and some of them are union venues. And, but I mean, why not call up the union, the local union and say, hey, I want to, what do I need to do to get in? Like, what, what do I need to do? I know you're looking for people. I'm anxious to work. Um, and then, like I said, vendors, that's not a union path, but a vendor, you can go and like, see if there's any openings, like, Hey, I know that I don't have much knowledge, but I would like to push boxes and I really want to learn. So I would say once you get into that, that role, the biggest thing is to like, always 
be a self-starter. The more you can be a self-starter, the more people are going to recognize that they need you, right? So what is a self-starter? A self-starter is somebody who anticipates what the needs are and starts executing before they're asked, right? Right. So like, it might be something where it's like, oh, that plot's over there and I need, these lights are going to have to be prepped like tomorrow. Um, go ask your your supervisor and say, hey, I see this plot's right. These need to be prepped tomorrow. I can start that right now because I'm not doing anything. Can I do that for you right now and, and get started? And always be working to the next step and like anticipate what's in front and be one step ahead of the game. And it might come a little later, like, because you have to like learn the business first and learn like what you're supposed to be doing. But like, if you can anticipate it and you can jump on top of those tasks before like anybody even asks you, oh my goodness. Like those people are like, my assistant Allison is one of these people and everyone's like, do not ever let her go. I'm like, oh no, I will do anything <laughs> because she always anticipates everything before I even freaking need it. She's no, like, it's amazing. And it just helps me become a better designer. It helps my team become a better team, right? Because it's a, it's a, a cog in the machine that's actually constantly working and doesn't have to be constantly greased to keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say like when you're in the, the role at a vendor, like really anticipate, like jump on top of tasks. If you're in the lighting department and you are not doing anything, but you see some guy in the audio department next to you struggling, foiling feeder, jump over there and help your audio brother in like whatever, just because you're in the lighting department, you know, audio guy still needs help, you know, let him like help him coil his feeder. I used yeah. to do that all the time. Like always be a team player. And then if you are like, okay, I really want to um, become a designer or a programmer, then okay, you got out of work early. So you're supposed to work till five, but you got out at three. Is there a console in the back corner? And is it being used? Cool, it's not. I'm gonna go take my laptop, open up YouTube, and I'm gonna start looking through grand MA videos and I'm gonna start learning the console for two hours before the shop closes. You weren't gonna, you were you weren't gonna be home after or after three. You're gonna be home after five anyway, right? Like that's two hours on a console that you can learn with the actual equipment. Do it. I know it takes a village, but do try and bring elements of your own life to put into these shows. And what I mean by that is like how much of what you have created over the years. Do you, do you try and get like your own personal point of view on and like, how do you kind of hug that? So there's like, you know, the parameters you have to work in. It's like, this right. is like the general direction, but do you ever do some shit that's just sort of just for you? And then <laughs> you see, and then like you see at a Madison square garden and you're like, I got it in there. I definitely have like, I have designs in the back of my head or like things in the back of my head or like even written on paper or in like, maybe I've drawn something out thinking that it would work for somebody. Um, and it's like all in the archives and Dropbox or whatever. But, um, I mean, in the end, like, I guess you could liken it to being an architect or an interior designer for someone's home. It's not about you. <laughs> it's just not. So, um, and for me, it's ne like, it's never been about the glory and it's never been about ego. So I, you know, if, if someone 
has like a complete marketing branding scheme for their new album and this tour that's about to go out like who the heck am I to put my own ideas and my skin <laughs> well, on that? You really need like... a disco ball. I'm telling you, it will work. <laughs> um, yeah. This is I why mean, I'm not in this industry, I feel like. No, it's fine. I mean, look, there are there are designers out there who are true artists. Mm -hmm. And when, when um, a band or a pop star hires that designer, they are looking for that art to be a part of their show. There are... And I respect the shit out of those people. Like I am so impressed by um, a lot of the designers. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but like there are designers out there that are like freaking artists. And when you hire that artist, you're also that designer. You are also getting, it's like whoever musician X, right. this designer, right? Like it is like this collab, like, have you seen like the Balenciaga Lays bags yet? The Lays Peter Yeah, 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 I saw. It's like that, like Balenciaga X Lays. Except it's like, you know, the artist. Right. Like that's the way I think of it. Like it's a true collaboration in creating art in a venue. I am not that person. I am, I wish I were that cool. Um, I just am not. I, I, I like to really listen to what an artist needs and tailor the shit out of that show for them. Like, you know, I, I could... You know, I work for ben, many different artists, many different like genres of artists is what I'm trying to say. So I, I don't think there's like certain elements that I could never like pair with an artist because it's like that, you know, like Rage Against the Machine has an entirely pink set. That doesn't work. <laughs> you can't do that. You know, like yeah. <laughs> even if I I'll really want a whole pink set, I would never put Tom Morello in yeah. front of something like that. First of all, I know yeah. for a fact he hates that color. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, yes. that's the thing. Like, it's not about me. It's not about my ego. It's not about my glory of like. I'm learning a lesson here. This is this is yeah. this is good. <laughs> um, but like, there's definitely been things like, you know, some crazy technology or whatever that is like, oh, that would be really cool to stick in a show, and like, I'll pull from the archives and see, like, oh, cool. Like, could we make this work if we spun it this way to work with that? branding concept or whatever yeah um but i yeah it's I, it's it's almost it almost never works like i i sometimes go back through the archives of things that i didn't use on a show or i didn't like a design that i didn't get or whatever and i'm like yeah but that was for that moment in time with that person like i can't right. yeah. even if it looks like it could potentially like maybe i can pull elements from it but it's got to have its own spin on it right um yeah yeah yeah, speaking of tech, by the way, I, yeah. I'm so happy that you said that. This is a, the last and final question. I <laughs> would have been so pissed if I, mm. I would have been like it, like in the shower later or whatever, like, like just moving on with my life. And then they could like, damn it. I forgot to ask this question. The, this is like the reason why I wanted to meet you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, kind of. <laughs> Initially, and then, I, and, then, and, then, and then Steven sent me your website and then I learned more. Okay. okay. The wristband thing. We got to talk yeah. about this. Uh, I, I don't know why I'm yelling. I got so excited. Yeah. The Coldplay, the like the wristband thing, they 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 light it up. I'm assuming it's like Bluetooth technology, but just as a fun throwaway thing. <laughs> no. I, I, <laughs> but that's great. I've Can been wrong. Imagine? I've never been more wrong. Get this wristband and people are gonna Bluetooth nudes to your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, I never <laughs> I don't think I've ever been more <laughs> off on a podcast, like more wrong about more things, but I'm loving it. It's so I totally well... fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> How does the wristbands work? Was there like somebody who like thought, I, I feel like Coldplay gets the credit for that whole movement. Uh, uh, maybe not though. I, I don't know. That's just like from my worldview sort of thing. But how does that technology work? 
Um, do you like that? Does everyone want to do that now? Because they kind of see this sort of like social media side of it that everyone is like, you know, filming the oh. wristband and all that. I mean, so I What's only... What's that called, by the way? Um, well, those wristbands are from PixMob, a company in Montreal. Um, They're coming on the show. They're amazing. <laughs> They're so great. Um, yeah. yeah, amazing crew peeps. So um, I've only been with Coldplay since fall of 2019. Um, okay. And they've been doing this as a wristband since the Zylo tour. I don't even know what year that was. Um, before I came yeah. on board. Um, and And so that... And for me, like I always associate wristbands with them too, because I don't ever remember seeing them with any other artists or on any other event previous to that. Like when they first came on um, and I saw like images of the tour, cause I'd never even seen them live until I worked with them in 2019. I, yeah, I, I mean, I always associated it with them as well. And like when they hired me to come on as a lighting designer, I knew that that was going to be tech that we were going to be using. Um, and um, I, I credit Phil Harvey with, all of the wristband to everything with that band. I mean, he is the man. Um, he's their creative director and part of their management team. So, and friend of band since freaking university. So um, I I actually don't have a ton to say about it, except that it is an incredible tool that really extends the light show out into the audience. Um, this was, I believe this might've been the first story they used PixMob on. I'm almost positive, yes. And so the PixMob was really great. And they actually allowed Shaheem and I and my programmers, Joe Lott and Matt Kemp. Yes, there were four of us that took care of programming and getting that tour off the ground on just the lighting side, right? I wow. just do lights. Um, can, can you imagine the army that does video special effects, lasers, right. like everything else behind it? It is a massive, massive team of creatives that make that work. Um, shout I thought, out to, I thought you were just the mastermind behind, behind it all. No, no, no. This woman is a genius. No. She's the hardest wor working woman in show business. Misty Buckley is yes. the production designer slash co-creative director for Coldplay. And has I'm going to write all this down. I'm going to find her she on LinkedIn and be like. a force. She's oh. a freaking force. She's amazing. She's just, I can't say enough about her. She's amazing. And the two of us had the best time together. So, <laughs> um, Yeah. Uh, she's my girl. She's, she's my sis. Um, anyway, so they, you know, they, they're really the, the wristbands really were just like an extension of the overall production design. Um, but PixMob was really awesome and allowed us to program them. And, and so we were able to actually take the lighting cueing, you know, that we were doing on stage and extend it out into the audience. Uh, and I'd never seen that done with wristbands, wristbands before. And maybe I'm just like, not, um, you know, not as well versed in them, but, um, Shaheem Lichmore is the, the lighting operator or sorry, director out there, but he also is programming PixMob and is slaying it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like when you how see does that, parts, how does that tech work though? Like, yeah. Like, like for like um, where, where they're all sitting, is it just like, no, like, it's the location RF. part of it was, was confusing. There's all, and yeah. I, I won't, I wouldn't be able to speak to the nitty gritty of this stuff. Cause I'm not, we'll get I'm them on, we'll get them on the savvy. show. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. But it's all, it's RF. Yeah. You know, there's RF units in the. That's the, so uh, cool. Like, yeah, they have to like focus the RF to make sure they're covering everything. So, um, as amazing. those wristbands move around, like if somebody is going from the concourse 100 to the a seat on the other side, like that, their wristband changes to what is happening in that location. So, I love it. That's all. Yeah, it's insane. And it, what, 
you really like it it's pretty phenomenal when you see drone shots of that show but like when you're in the space and you feel and see the wristbands like we when we're at front of house we always have like multiples on because we're really <laughs> excited um it it really is like it just kind of they are like Coldplay right like Coldplay is about spreading love and peace and joy and like they really you know they want the audience to like come to a show and like far far and away the best Super Bowl halftime show <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say ever it was yeah. Coldplay I, I think Coldplay Bruno Mars and Beyonce yeah I imagine you were like I was actually the lighting designer for that I night. was not there <laughs> no that but was that's the best one the most <laughs> underrated during yeah. COVID when we were in lockdown I watched that and I was hysterically crying like the humanity yeah. will never <laughs> see it again meanwhile <laughs> Yeah, I, and then that was Misty Buckley and Phil Harvey. They put that together, so there you awesome. go. Um, but yeah. I would say, like, those wristbands, like, are very similar to the way Coldplay, like, likes to exude themselves on stage, right? Like, give, bringing everybody together, like, two hours of time, and you're just forgetting about everything else outside of that stadium, and you're just enjoying the love and the feeling of, of people coming together to enjoy amazing music and a great show. And those wristbands really help extend that feeling out into the audience and that's yes. what i think is really beautiful about those things in that yeah. show sure. the power of lighting i love it this has been <laughs> this is i'll help you land it i swear because hey, uh, <laughs> after all isn't lighting really about spreading love no, i'm just kidding uh <laughs> Remember how I said I wasn't going to say any of that artistic shit? There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Because <laughs> lighting really is a feeling. No. Uh, oh, God. All right. Well, thank you. This has been so much fun. Hopefully, I get a, a, a good report for uh, for Stephen Douglas. You'd be like, yeah, yeah he, was, he was a little all over the place, a little loud, <laughs> a little on the interrupty side, but he was, uh, it's all it was good. good. It's totally fine. We'll wrap it up. You've been so cool. gracious with your time. Uh, where can yeah, people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? And then I'll let um, you go, I swear. Yeah, uh, soonerray.com. Um, and R-A-E, yep. Yes. Sooner R-A-E.com. And then um, just Instagram, Sooner Ruthier. Cool. Um, and yeah, that's it. I'm not that fancy. Uh, I don't know. Your website's pretty <laughs> fucking fancy. Pretty cool. Thanks. I do it myself on Squarespace. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. I do. I do hide the uh, the Squarespace logo thing, so yeah. I convince myself that I'm a real web designer, oh, but I'm really I don't not. Know so if I do that. I don't know. I have to do that. I'll help you out. Don't worry. It'd be okay, good. Okay. Cool. You get, you get me in touch with the Coldplay people. We'll call it at the old. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get me All in right. touch with them. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. I'll awesome. see them in two days. I'm going to Buenos Aires. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Listen, you know, I just want to like kind of just softball this out there. But if, if Chris Martin has time in his schedule, I'll, I'll get him to on To do show. an interview? No problem. <laughs> to, to do an interview for yeah. at least like 375 people. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got you. <laughs> oh my so. God, hilarious. All right. All right. Well, it was I'm, really good talking. Good I'm going to edit it all together. It'll be amazing. And I'll, uh, I'll yeah. make sure I let you know. So. Awesome. Thank you so okay, much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.